I'm Jim Brown, your Bible teacher at Grace and Truth Ministries. I've put the title of this message on the board. I have got tons of things to say about this, but it has an exact biblical meaning. Predestination is about the Sabbath. Sabbath means rest. That's what it means. doesn't mean seventh. Sometimes you'd have one Sabbath following another Sabbath the very next day. It can't mean seventh. A lot of times you had Sabbaths like the Passover that wouldn't come on Saturday. Sometimes you'd have a Sabbath like the Feast of Ingathering that wouldn't come on Saturday or the Day of Atonement. And you would have Passover, which would come sometimes not on the seventh day. Those were all Sabbaths. In fact, any time you had Passover, which is a Sabbath, Passover, you also had Feast. This is another name for the Passover. Feast of Unleavened bread. That's what it's called. You can look at that in Luke 21 and one, or 22 and 1. Passover, Feast of Unleavened Bread. Well, that always came on Nisan 14. That's our month, March, April. March, April. And it was a Sabbath, always. But the Feast of Unleavened Bread didn't start till the 15th. The next day for seven days. And that day, the 15th, was a Sabbath. See, you got one Sabbath following the other one. And then seven days later, the last day of this Feast of Unleavened Bread was also a Sabbath. If you're going to keep the Sabbath, you're going to have to keep all of them, not one of them. Now, the Sabbath means rest. This has to do with predestination. When the Bible says that God is all in all, in Colossians 3.11, when the Bible says God is head of all principalities and powers, there in Colossians 2.10, Principality is the word arche, A-R-C-H-E. We get our word arc from that. A-R-C is the beginning of a circle, and when you finish the circle, you've got the whole. The whole. And arche means beginning. Beginning, or head. It can be captain or general, or whatever. It is the head of all things. And Christ is the he's the head of principalities there in Colossians, and powers. Power is the word exousia. E-X-O-U-S-I-A. From exousia, we get the word E-X-E-S-T-I. That's a derivative of it. That means existence. I'll just put an E there. And then this this goes on down and converts to E-I-N-A-I. These are all forms of the same word. 
Ina means to be or to exist. Means to be. And all the being verbs, be, is, am, are, was, were, being, been, have, has, had, do, this, this, shall, will, should, would, may, might, must, can, could. Those are all being verbs. They're forms of the verb to be, to exist. So Jesus is the head of all power. He said, all power is given to me in heaven and in earth. So when you're talking about what's going on in the world, I keep using certain verses like Ecclesiastes 3.14. I know that whatsoever God doeth, it shall be forever. Forever is the word olam, O-W-L-A-M. Now, forever in the Hebrew doesn't mean from this point on. Olam means it always has been in the mind of God from forever, and it always will be. So everything that's going on is of God. He works all things after the counts of his own will. That's why he said, in everything give thanks. Everything means every good and bad thing, every evil thing. Now, we have to come to this. That's when we can rest in the Lord, come to a spiritual Sabbath by resting. Now, I've got all these verses of how that uh, the Most High... Now, whoever wins this election is going to be the most low-down man. Now, Donald Trump has been the most low-down man, and if Joe Biden wins, he's going to be the most low-down man. Uh, Our God sits in the heaven. He gives these kingdoms to whomsoever he will and places over it the basest of men. Basest is the word shafal. Shafal means most low down. So the most low down man, now as of right now, Donald Trump's the most low down. (laughs) People say, don't you think they're Christians? I don't believe anybody in high politics is a Christian. Nobody. I've been a, I have been in, real estate in Hendersonville, and I didn't even trust the people locally. Now, is are they supposed to be in there? Yes. God places them there by His will. Goodness gracious. And nobody can stop the hand of God from doing what He wants to do. There's none can stay His hand in Daniel 4.35. Uh, Daniel, when God struck... Nebuchadnezzar down on his all form, all fours. The scripture says, "This is was Nebuchadnezzar's words." This makes me wonder if Nebuchadnezzar was a believer. Daniel four thirty five. All the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. He doeth according to his will in the army of heaven, and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay the hand of God, or say to him, "What doest thou?" Stay is the word Mecca. It means to arrest in God's movement to do something. Nobody can stop the hand of God, even when it's evil. God said, I make peace and create evil. I, the Lord, do all things. What does God know? Known unto God are all his works from the beginning of the world over there in Acts, the 15th chapter. Whatsoever the Lord pleased, that did he in heaven and earth and the sea and all the deep places. 
He does everything he wants to. I'm just kind of giving you a few of these. He said the lightnings belong to him. He tells the lightnings where and when to strike. That's in Job the 37th chapter. And it all belongs to him. Now, he does everything he wants to do. He is in charge of it all. That's why our job is not to fight the will of God. We are to bow to it. The problem that we have when we're struggling with all these things that God is doing, we want to fight one another as a believer. If you can get old enough like me, I'm in my 80s now, I'm 81, be 82 next May. I have learned in the last 15 years since I was in my mid-60s to accept everything that's happening. Very seldom do I ever get greatly concerned about something. Every time something happens, I say this too is the will of God. There's some words that we don't need to be involved in. We don't need to be involved in contention. Contending with people or strife. There's a word in, under strife that the Bible says in Second Timothy that the servant of God does not strive now, there's many different words for strive. You've got to look it up in the concordance, which one is talking about. So, the, the servant of the Lord does not makomai, M-A-C-H-O-M-A-I. Makomai, we got our word macho from that. It means to fight. You're not supposed to be fighting as a believer. You say, Jim, I'm not fighting. Are you fighting inside? When something happens, are you getting real anxious over it? As I got older, I started coming to a place of saying, everything that happens now, this too is the will of God. Now, very seldom do I get ever upset over anything. I just let it happen. If somebody starts something in the church, I'll say, you need to go down the street. You can't do that here. We're not going to fight here. Now, the servant of the Lord is not macho and does not fight. We're not to be doing that. There's also a word called wrath. Wrath. The word is, that's common is the word orge, O-R-G-E. We're not to be involved in that. Orge is feminine gender. The reason it's feminine is because Babylon was the mother that's feminine. Babylon is the mother of all idolatry. The word says harlotry, harlots, but it means idolatry, idolatry. Now, idolatry is the word E-I-D-O-L-O-L-A-T-R-E-I-A. Idololatria is a construction of ido. And latruo. Latruo means to serve. And ido means to see or perceive. Idolatry means to serve what you put into your eyes and into your ears. 
looking at that car you can't afford, looking at that woman that you can't have, looking at that man you can't have because they're obligated to somebody else. Well, that is orgay. And God says, Paul said, God has not appointed us to wrath, to orgay. It is spelled this way, O R G Ada. Anything that ends in Ada is feminine. That is not God's wrath. What's so amazing there in First Thessalonians, the fifth chapter, the ninth verse, when the Bible says God hasn't appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation, that word wrath, people have used that word and a word over in Revelation 16 and 1 to build one theology in the world to build what they call mid-trib rapture. Mid-trib. And that, I'm sorry, but that can't qualify for that. This word that God had in the point is to wrath, or gay, is not the same word in Revelation. Revelation 16 and 1 says the wrath of God is going to fall upon the earth. So they come up and say, we'll see. If the wrath of God is going to about to fall on the earth and these seven angels have these bowls of God's wrath, therefore he has to take us out before the wrath of God falls onto the earth. I'm sorry to tell you this. Those are two different words. And besides that, they're two different genders. Good grief, you theologians. <laughs> this word wrath in Revelation 16 is masculine gender. And it's the word thumu, T-H-U-M-O-U. It's not or gay when God hadn't appointed us to wrath. It says, this is really truly amazing when he said in 1 Thessalonians 5 and 9, God has not appointed us to wrath, but, and he gives you the opposite of the wrath, of the rage, this orgay is the rage that a man has when he's covetous and he wants revenge when somebody has hurt him. Revenge is not resting in the Sabbath of all that God's doing. As believers, that's what we're supposed to do is rest saying, God brought this evil man upon my life and has a sword to cut me down. David said, deliver me from the wicked, which is thy sword in thy hand. And that's what God will do. It doesn't matter what's happening in your life. It's already the will of God. He planned that before the foundation of the world. So, you have to go back to but in First Thessalonians 5 and 9. That's as important a word as wrath. He did not appoint us to get revenge. He has appointed us to a spiritual Sabbath which is what he says right after he says, but, but to obtain salvation. And here's what you do to obtain salvation. That word obtain is a word in the Greek. It's very interesting. It's the word peri, P-O-I-E-S-I-S. Now, maybe you recognize some words in that. Peri and poesis. Peri means around. And poesis means to do. But it's not the common word do. 
The common word do would be ergon. That means to toil or labor. Or labor. When you when you are involved in the orgay, you're involved in contention, strife. And that's the exact opposite of the spiritual Sabbath. The Bible teaches us that the Sabbath is a spiritual thing now. Now, obtain salvation means to do something poeo, P-O-I-E-O. You have to learn that the difference between poeo and the word ergon. We get our word energy from ergon. N E N E R G E O. Energeo comes from in and ergon. It means to work within. That's what it means. That's the word energy. If you want to energize and start your car, you've got to have a battery that's got energy in it. So peripoesis means to make something beautiful around. There's only one thing that makes around us, and what is that? There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Peripoesis would be a synonym for blood baptism. He's washed us from our sins in his own blood, and if you didn't believe in a blood baptism, you cannot properly interpret peripoesis. You have to know this. So what he's saying, God hasn't appointed us to get revenge. He's appointed us to death to self, which is the same thing as the spiritual Sabbath arresting in what God's doing when somebody does you wrong. He hasn't appointed you to go take revenge on them. He says, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Vengeance. Vengeance is the word edicasis. E-D-I-K-E-S-I-S. It means to to write. Actually, excuse me, ek. I got the wrong prefix. Ekdikasis. Ek means out. This is the word this is the word revenge. And decasis comes from the word decay. Decay is the common Greek word right. It means to make things right. Oh, you're going to write them out. And God says, that doesn't belong to you. Revenge is mine, saith the Lord. I'll take the revenge. If there's only going to, any going to be taken, it'll be up to me. We are, don't have a right to get angry. How long does it take to get over our get over our strife and our contention? How long does it take to get over our macho? My want to be macho, want to punch somebody in the mouth because they cheated us. You know why they cheated you? Because God ordained it, and He's working on you to get you over your orge. And the Bible says God placed the orgay upon man over there in Romans. Let me give that to you. In Romans 
the first chapter. It, it, it's sad that they didn't translate some of these words correctly. And I don't think that some of the translators could because they didn't know how to say it exactly. There in Romans 1, verse 18, For the wrath of God is revealed... The word wrath is orgay. It's not God's wrath. It says the wrath of God, it is orgay. But notice what it says. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness. The word is not against. It's the word epi. Epi, it means upon. It means God put this upon men. God placed it upon men and upon all unrighteousness, all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. God placed it on men. He says basically the same thing over here in Romans 3. And verse 5. But if our righteousness commend the righteousness of God, what shall we say if God unrighteous, is God unrighteous who taketh vengeance? The word is not taketh, and the word is not vengeance. The word vengeance is the word orgay. Orgay. And the word taketh is the word epiphero, meaning to place upon. Epi, P-H-E-R-O. You see me use that word epi a lot. It means to place upon. When Peter said in Acts 2, there in, in the second chapter, right before 2.38, when he said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name, in the name, in. In is the word epi. Epi. In the name. Superimposing or covering with the name. That's what epi actually means. Now, i got to get on with this. I'm kind of wandering off my subject. I need to get back. If we can come to the place of realizing that everything that's being done in the world is just like Romans 8 and 28 says. And we know that all things work together for good. The only reason he's saying that right there is because of what he said in the previous verses. He's talking about how we groan together. We're all groaning. All through that early part of that chapter, before Romans 8 and 28, Romans eight twenty eight, And it says, and we know. Well, and is nothing but a coordinating conjunction, and it's connecting the previous verses and the words that were said. It's connecting them with the following Romans 8 and 28. And we know. So when he's talking about groaning, well, might just flip over there. Romans 8. 
And he speaks of groaning all through this chapter. You say, what's the big deal about groaning? It is the verb form of strive. In there's another word for strive. It's the verb form of strive in Matthew 7 and 14. Strive to enter in at the straight gate. Strive is the word stenos. This is the word strive. Stenos. Now you got to connect the word groan with strive. Strive is the Strive to enter into the straight gate. Strive is not an invitation. That's not what it is. It's, forget that. It's the word stenos. When you get to the word groan, all through Romans 8, groan is the word stenazo. Stenazo is the verb form which is groan. It's what you're doing when you're groaning. You're agonizing. Strive to enter into the straight gate. For many I say unto you, seek to enter and shall not be able, because straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leads to eternal life. And only a few will find the straight and narrow gate. Only a few are going to the heaven when they die. So groan is the word stenazo. And when you get to Romans 8 and 28, and is connecting all of this striving, this groaning that you're going through, because the purpose of Romans 8 and 28 and 29, 20, Romans 8, 28 and 29 because Romans 8 28 starts with and it coordinates all the groaning that's happening before this with Romans 8 28 and we know and we know this is a coordinating conjunction it's going to coordinate all those before it and we know that all things work together for good all things is referring back to our groaning. It's what it's doing. And we know that all things work together for good. But look at the verses before it. The Bible speaks of, in verse 22, For we know that the whole creation groaneth. Groaneth is this word, sustenazo. S-U. S-T-E-N-A-Z-O. Stenazo is the verb form of, of stenos, strive. It's a verb form, and su means with, or to blend with the other believers. So we're all groaning together, and the creation, the creation, katesis, means something that has organization. K-T-S-I-S, that is not everybody that's ever been created. That's not talking about that. It's talking about the new creation in Christ. The whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain. Then you go to verse 23. Even ourselves groan within ourselves. That's just the word stenazo. That word groan. 
And then you go on down here in verse 26. But the Spirit itself maketh its intercession for us with groanings. Stenagmas. It's a form of stenos. S-T-E-N. Stenagmas. It means to groan together. The Spirit makes an intercession with groanings that cannot be uttered. Now, God is the one. Then he gets into Romans 8 and 28 and 29. And we know that all these groanings that are in our life are working together for good. So everything, But in the groanings, most believers like to complain and gripe, don't we? When we're young. When you get older, you begin to realize it's a waste of time to gripe, to contend. It just doesn't. I don't ever remember contending with anybody where they came up and said, you know, I see what you're talking about now. We fight for about 15 or 20 minutes. They say, oh, I can see your viewpoint. It never happens. Or if I'm trying to get back at somebody. And then when he says, for... In verse 29, whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate. All the groaning that we're going through is we're predestined to go through it to be, so it can conform us to the image of Christ. That's what it's about. When you get to Romans 8 and 29, it does not stand alone. For it begins with the word for. Romans 8 28 begins with and. For is a subordinate conjunction. Subordinate means it has to obey the previous verses before it. It's subjective to what's been said. So you cannot just take Romans 8 and 29 out and say, let me quote this to you. Most people quote half of Romans 8 and 29. For whom he did for no, he also did predestinate. Period. No. We're predestined to, to be conformed. You know, it's amazing to me how people, if we're conformed to the likeness of Christ, did Jesus ever gripe and complain? No. Did he complain when Pilate took him and had the Roman soldiers beat him? No. Did he complain? No. He stood before Pilate and Pilate said, don't you know I've got the power to release you? And Jesus said to him, I'm going to say one thing to you. You have no power except to be given you of my Father which is in heaven. That's all the power you have. And that's all i got to say. Why would he complain when he's going to die for his wife, the church? He didn't die for everybody. The Bible doesn't say that. I don't understand why people believe that. When you go to Ephesians 5.25, Husbands love your lives as Christ loved the church. Christ loved, doesn't say he loved everybody, loved the church. And the King James Bible says, and gave himself for it. He didn't die for it. The church is not an it. 
The word is not it. This shows you another mistake in the King James Bible in the translation. The word is A-U-T-A-D-A. It's a form of A-U-T-O. Auto is self. When they would want to put him or her, they would change the ending of the word. The Ada is always feminine gender. So he died for the female, which is his church, his wife, his bride. No one else. And when you want to put male, A-U-T-O, that's our word auto, it means self or him. If they put A-U-T-O with the Omicron, then that's, that's self. So it all depends on the ending of the word A-U-T-O-U or two, it can either be masculine or neuter gender. I didn't make this up. I got this out of Mr. Mouse's book. It can be neuter or masculine. But how you know if it's neuter or masculine? It's just like the beast. Then Revelation 13, Revelation 13, there when it says the beast gave, and it says in the King James Bible, him, and that's wrong. His power, and that's wrong. His seat, and that's wrong. And his great Authority, and that's wrong. Him, his, his, his is wrong interpretation. How do you know that? Because all of the pronouns have to follow the gender, the gender of the noun or pronoun that they refer back to. That's called the antecedent. The antecedent is the noun or pronoun that all pronouns have to refer back to. The beast is the word tothereon. It's neuter gender. Neuter. Therefore, all the hymns and the his is after that. I put gentle, gender. It's neuter gender. So they all have to be its. And guess what? That's exactly what it says in the interlinear Bible. They translated it correctly. And it's got its for all the hymns and hisses. Deal with that. King James Bible is not the inspired word of God. The text of Shesaptus is. Always go to the original Greek text, the Texas Receptus, and look at the word. It, the spelling of the word is going to determine what this is all about. Now, so if God's doing everything, aren't we supposed to bow to everything that's going on? All the groaning, all the striving, the agonizing is the will of God 
for our lives. That's what it is. So, you know how long it took me to start getting a hold of that? I was fighting people at 55 in this ministry when they started a fight with me. I won't do that anymore. You need to go down the street and fight. I won't fight with you at all. Now, let me get back to where I was last week. We're talking about the spiritual Sabbath. What happened to the Sabbath? I've got to give you a verse one more time. Colossians 2.14. Let's look at that. Let's go over and read that. Colossians 2 and verse 14. Then we're going to go back to Hebrews and then back to the book of Numbers. Colossians 2.14. Philippians, Colossians. All right. Now, in this text, the Bible is talking about the Jew being a spiritual Jew. You remember circumcision was man's part was man's part of the covenant of God. God says, I'll be your God. You will be my people. In Genesis, the 17th chapter. Whenever you find the word circumcision, that are the circumcision. God came to Abraham. So you're, you're going to be my people. I'm going to be your God. And you will circumcise the foreskin. And then you will obey me. In the New Testament, circumcision is not literal. Now that... Some people, I've looked this up, some people say circumcision, if a man is circumcised, he has less chance of penile cancer. That's cancer of the penis. Some have tried to say the women have less opportunity for have cervical cancer, and but it's the one they lean to is the Penile cancer, that if you were circumcised. Circumcision is spiritual. When the Bible says that Paul was a messenger to the, to the uncircumcision, uncircumcision was a term that meant Gentile. That doesn't mean no Gentiles were circumcised. Just from a biblical viewpoint, in circumcision, Peter was a minister to the circumcision. You'll find this in Galatians, the second chapter. Peter was a minister to the circumcision, even though Peter preached to a lot of, lot of Gentiles. The circumcision means the Jews. That's terms, that's what that means. So, this will show you what he's talking about here when we read this in Colossians, the second chapter. He says here in verse 10, And ye are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. That's that word, or K, 
and exousia that I read to you a while ago. In whom also you're circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. That's circumcision of the heart. In putting off the body of sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ when he circumcises your hearts, says the same basic thing in Ephesians, the second chapter. Buried with him in baptism. Now, this is amazing. Since Colossians is a Gentile church, before Jesus died on the cross, if you were a Gentile, which means anyone that wasn't a Jew or not an Israelite, the Pharisees came up with a method of being a naturalized citizen. And he addresses it right here in Colossians, the second chapter. If you were a, if you were a, a Gentile living over here in Asia somewhere, if you were a Gentile living... Well, I guess I'll get to it in a minute. Let's say you're living over here in Ephesus and you wanted to come to Israel to become a member of the kingdom of God, which is a term for Israel, then all you had to do was go through a three-method process. These are something that the Pharisees came up with. You had to go through, if you're coming from Ephesus, that's a Gentile church. You want to come to Israel. This is before Jesus died. Then the Pharisees said you had to be circumcised, washed in water that they called a new birth, and then you had to offer two turtle doves at the at the temple. This would make you a proselyte Jew, even though you were a Gentile. And he addresses that right here. So he's telling the Colossian, I should have made that Colossian, which is right in here, right about there. And he wanted to come and be a member of the kingdom of God. He tells them right here, you don't have to be circumcised in the flesh anymore. You're circumcised with the circumcision of the heart made without hands, putting off the body of sins, of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism. Here's circumcision of baptism to a Colossian church. You don't have to be, if you're baptized in the baptism, buried with him in baptism, that doesn't mean dip downward. If you look up the word tomb, T-O-M-B, in McClinic and Strong, it will tell you. When they buried people, any self-respecting Jew would not be put into the ground. So when Baptist preachers are dipping somebody downward, that's not the baptism of Christ. Because baptism is to represent burial, and they buried him in a tomb. And McClinic and Strong will tell you, buried with him in baptism was an alien thought to the Jew because they didn't believe in dipping people downward. They were washed. 
Now it says, buried with him in baptism, wherein also you are risen with him to the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead, and you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, flesh, Gentile church, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out. He's right after he's saying baptism and circumcision, he says the ritual is blotted out. No more ritual. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances. I keep saying there's two handwritings. There in Deuteronomy 9, the Bible says, well, we'll look at it one more time. So the whole idea is a baptism is death to self. Deuteronomy 9, here's what God does when he writes upon tables of stone. The Lord delivered unto me two tables of stone written with the finger of God. That's verse 10, Deuteronomy 9. And on them was written according to all the words which the Lord spake with you in the mount out of the midst of the fire in the day of assembly. He also says the same basic words in Exodus 24:12 and Exodus 31:18 about the handwriting of God. Then he says over in the New Testament in Luke 11 that if I with the finger of God cast out devils, what he does with his fingers, he write upon fleshy tables of our hearts in the third chapter of Second Corinthians. He writes upon our hearts. One of these is blotted out since Colossians was a Gentile church and he says you don't have to be circumcised anymore to come into the kingdom or baptized anymore in water. Now we're blotting those out, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances. There's a handwriting in the New Testament, Second Corinthians, the third chapter. Second Corinthians. The third chapter, the Bible says, For as much, verse 3, For as much as you are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone any longer, they're blotted out, but in fleshy tables of the heart. I've said this a thousand times. Let me say it one more time. All of those rituals of the Old Testament were blotted out, including the rituals of the Sabbath. The Sabbath was not a place where they went and listened to some priest preach at the tabernacle. They had to stay at home on the Sabbath. The 16th chapter of Exodus says so. Exodus 16. And then you look here in verse... In verse 21, excuse me, in verse 29, See, for the Lord hath given you the Sabbath, therefore he giveth you on the sixth day the bread of two days. Abide ye every man in his place, in his house. You couldn't go nowhere. We don't serve Christ on Sunday for any other reason the fact that Jesus rose from the dead on the first day of the week, which is Sunday. Paul preached on the first day of the week in Acts 20 and 7. 
1 Corinthians 16, 1 and 2, let every man lay by in store on the first day of the week as God has prospered him. Let no man go out of his place on the seventh day. So that wasn't a day to go over there to the temple. Back to Colossians 2, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances. It was against us. It was contrary to us. The rituals, Israel never really kept all of them. The main thing they didn't keep was the sabbatical year. That was against us, which is contrary to us. Took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. That is so important. When they did away with one contract, they would go out in public, take the original two contracting parties, take the two witnesses that says, is everybody in agreement? We're going to invalidate this. They'd say yes, and they'd drive a nail through it, and that held up in their courts of law. And then he goes on to say, having spoiled principalities, and that's the word R.K., the heads of all things, because he's the head of all things, there in verse 10. And powers, exousia. The Bible says he's head of all principalities and powers, verse 10. He destroyed all the principalities, all the heads of this world, and made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Let no man therefore judge you in meat, in any rituals of the Jews, or in drink, or in respect of a holy day, we don't have to be judged according to Passover, Pentecost, a feast of ingathering, which was coupled with the Day of Atonement. Or in drink, or in respect of any holy days of the Jews, or of a new moon, or of Sabbath days. That's done. Then the Sabbath must still be here. Let's go to Hebrews. Go back to Hebrews. You know how long it really takes to get through this. If I re see, I've got to cover, recover what I said the week before to resume where I've been. Now he says here, let me move some of my papers out of the way. All right. When you're wanting to fight with God, you're wanting to fight the wrong fight. When you're wanting to fight with people, God's ordained everything in your life to be the way it is. This is not up to you to get revenge with your orge. It's up to you to leave it alone. All right. He's talking here about provoking God. Let me see if I can get my... All right. To provoke God, he says here in verse... Chapter 3 and 4 is about the spiritual Sabbath. Since he's nailed it all... Let me keep saying, the law comes in two parts. The letter, which is the ritual and the Spirit. The Bible tells us in Second Corinthians, the third chapter, the letter killeth. You can't keep all the letter of the law. 
the Spirit giveth life. The law is now spiritual, not the ritual of the law that was blotted out. That was written on tables of stone. Now it's written on fleshy tables of the heart. If the law is written on our hearts, why is why is it that the you got to keep the rituals of the law? You don't, because we're keeping them every day. And he says, "Harden not your hearts." There in verse. Now the hardening of the heart has to do with not entering into the spiritual Sabbath. That's when men's hearts are hardened. Harden not your hearts as in the provocation when you provoked me. This is a reference back to Numbers 13 and 14. When they were in the wilderness... And God told them to go over. Now, all the Sabbath has to do with the way Israel was living in the wilderness. When they, let me get over here to a map. Here it is. When they came out of Egypt, crossed the Red Sea, and went down south to get to Mount Sinai. They got to Mount Sinai in Exodus the 18th chapter. Moses went up on the mountain, came down in Exodus 20, and he had the law written on tables of stone. Law on stones by the finger of God. And then when they left, they left Mount Sinai in Numbers the 10th chapter. By the time you get to Numbers 10, They've received all the law. Now, what about Deuteronomy? Deuteronomy. It comes from duo, D-U-O, and nomos. Duo means second or two. Or you sing a duo, there's two of you. And nomos means second law. That was the law of God that everything had to be verified by two witnesses. You'll find the two witnesses in Numbers 35. Numbers 35, Deuteronomy 17, and Deuteronomy 19. So up to Numbers, up to the book of Numbers, you had the law, Leviticus, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and then you have in Deuteronomy, you have the second law or the second witness. All right. So this thing of the Sabbath has to do with what they did when they left Sinai in Numbers 10. They get up to Kadesh Barnea. Kadesh Barnea was exactly where they provoked God. And here's what provoking God was. Provoking God was where they did not, where they angered God, exasperated God. The reason they were exasperating God is because 
God tells them to go up here into the land of Anak. You can see Ashkelon, Gaza, and Ashdod on this map. The land of Anak. Let me erase some of this. The land of Anak is also what we call the Gaza Strip. During the time of the kings of Israel, the land of Anak was called the land of the Philistines. When Israel became a nation, May 14, 1948, the only way they became a nation and all of the Philistines are all of the Palestinians. We get the word Palestinian from that. They had to either go to the Gaza Strip and occupy that or they had to go to the West Bank, the West Bank of the Jordan River. The Jordan River ran from the Sea of Galilee all the way down and emptied into the Dead Sea. And they were down here at Kadesh. That was in the Sinai Desert, Kadesh. And they this all has to do, it stretched down to the bottom. That's on the southwestern border of Israel. That's the land of the Philistines. In the ancient world is the land of Anak, and that's where the Anakims live. And this, this Hebrews 3 and 4 is not only talking about the Sabbath, but it's talking about it's talking about Israel provoking God. Now let me give you the Israel provoking God, the New Testament Greek word is the word parapecrano. Parapecrano. P A R A P I or parapecranos. M-O-S, excuse me. K-R-A-S-M-O-S. It is a form of para, para, pip, K-R-A-I-N-O. That para means to embitter, this is the New Testament Greek word. This is the Greek word. It means irritation. They've irritated God. Why were they irritating God? Why? Because he tells them to go in, conquer this land of the Anakims. They go up there and they find these giants. They evidently must have been, they must have been the ancestors of Goliath because he was from Gath, which is one of the city of the Philistines. Goliath was nine foot six. Well, he was tall. 
It wasn't like David was afraid of him because he was a lumbering giant, probably coming out there. I get a hold of you, boy. Well, you're not even going to get a hold of David. He's going to hit you from a long distance with a slain. Now, the word that you find in the Old Testament when the Bible speaks of Israel provoking God is the word naats. It means to scorn or have contempt for God, to blaspheme. He says, go into this land. It's going to tie the spiritual Sabbath. It's going to tie the spiritual Sabbath with what happened over here. The Bible says, these men went up here for 40 days. And they spied out the land and they came back and said, we can't go fight those people. They're too big. They're too tall. They make us look like grasshoppers. That's exactly what it says. And two men said, we'll go in there and fight those guys. They believed God, Joshua and Caleb. Joshua and Caleb believed God and said, we'll go fight those guys on their mountain. God said, since, and the rest of the men said, the fighting men said, we can't go in there. They're too big for us. Here's how they provoke God. Back about two months before that, God had destroyed the largest army in the world by putting them down in the Red Sea and drowning them. That was just a little time before. And God says, you mean I can kill all these these Pharaoh armies, and I can't cause you to beat those giants? You must be crazy. And God was exasperated. He was angry at them because they had provoked him. Now you will see. Let me give you something here. You will see as we go through this. The Bible is going to talk about the Sabbath. And it's going to talk about the reason they couldn't. The Bible speaks of the Sabbath to these people as entering in, entering into the promised land. He said, everyone 20 years old and upward, 20 and upward, that went into the land and you didn't want to go fight them, everybody except Joshua and Caleb is going to die. I'm going to put you in the wilderness a day, a year for a day, I'm going to put you in the wilderness 40 years so I can kill off all the unbelievers in Israel. That is a very, very significant number, 40 You've got an inner and an outer man. God says, I'm going to kill off that outer man. The outer man in Romans 7 wants the, it serves the flesh. That's where, where you get or gay from. Feminine gender. 
That's where you get striving from, wanting to fight somebody. Mako, my. That's where you get the reaction to orge rather than death to self. The inner man has to teach us over the years. This is a picture, this circle. And when I talk about the outer man and the inner man is Christ in you, God wants us to, he's predestined us to conform to the image of Christ, image, icon, the likeness of Jesus. And the likeness of Christ is death to the outer man, and the outer man wants to get involved in his orge and striving and makomai and contention, and he always wants to get even, and we're wanting to get ahead in life, and the reason we're wanting to get ahead is so we can be recognized. We want to be famous. You might want to be famous in your neighborhood and have just as good a car and just as good a boat as your neighbor. Or have an addition put on your house. When they do something, you want to do it too. Or your kin folks do something. I want to keep up with them. I got to keep up with the Joneses. Or he cheated me and I'll get him. You're not supposed to be getting anybody. You're supposed to be resting. And that's what he says here. Let me go to this. You're supposed to be resting in all this Sabbath. Look here in... Let me get my papers all straightened out here. All right. I keep saying this. There's something that you do on the Sabbath. It's actually, there's something you don't do. The Sabbath was for resting. You didn't leave your house. You couldn't light a fire. You couldn't drive your car to some restaurant. If you're a Seventh-day Sabbath worshiper, you couldn't start any fires. You had to light a candle on the day before the Sabbath, before sundown. There's three things you had to do. They call this the U-B-U-I-C-K. U-B-U-I-C-K. You had to do these things. Light a candle. It wasn't a candle. They come up with candle back several hundred years ago. It was a lamp. You had to light a lamp. And uh, then you had to prepare food. Because you're not allowed to cook anything on the Sabbath. Therefore, if Seventh-day worshippers go to a restaurant on the Sabbath and you're causing that guy back in the kitchen, by him lighting a fire, you're causing him to break the Sabbath. And you had to pay your tithe. This is called the Ubrick. Those are the three things you had to do. Now let's go back over here to... There's something that you don't do on the Sabbath. It's work of any kind. You didn't go to church on the Sabbath. You didn't go listen to the listen to one of the priests preaching the temple. They were over at the temple defiling the Sabbath, and the Bible says they were guiltless. 
You couldn't. On the Sabbath, they were offering offerings. They were offering offers inside here. Here's the, here's the, it's supposed to be a brazen altar. They got it a brick here, a stone altar. It's supposed to be a brazen altar, a brazen sea. And they were offering all kinds of sufferings, offerings and they weren't able to take time off to preach to anybody. They were defiling the Sabbath by working all day and they were guiltless. Now, when you go here in, let me see if I can shorten this. How much time do I have, Mike? 24. When you look at the word kataposis, kataposis is what you did on the Sabbath. This is the word. Kata. It comes from kata, meaning down, or with intensity, and pauses is our word pause, or cease, or to settle down. That's what you did on the Sabbath. Nothing. So this was the non-action of the Sabbath, And it belonged to the Sabbath. In the Old Testament, there is a word, Nuach. It comes from the word Noah, the tenth from Adam. Noah means to rest. In fact, Job said, if I had been born dead from my mother's womb, I would have been at rest, Nuach. If I had not, if I'd given up the ghost from my mother's womb, he didn't say if I give up the ghost from my mother's womb, I would have gone to hell. That's what some of the, that's what some of the uh, people that believe that babies go to hell. That's ridiculous. Even Mister Calvin said the, the doctrine that a baby is snatched from his mother's breast and cast to hell is a doctrine to be universally detested. That's Mr. Calvin's word. So that's not Calvinism. Now, this word kataposis is used several times in the Bible. Then you have the word katapao, kata, which comes from this word kataposis. Kata, pao. Has basically the same meaning. Kotopao is the word restrained in Acts fourteen eighteen. It's the word. Gosh, let me see here. Look here in Hebrews four. Hebrews four and verse four. For he spake. In a certain place of the seventh day, on this wise that God did katapao. God did katapao 
on the seventh day. This shows you that the seventh day is for settling down and resting. God rested on the seventh day. And then when you look at Hebrews 4 and verse 8, 4 and verse 8, 4 and 8, excuse me. For if Jesus had given them rest, katapao, then he would not, after have spoken of another day, there remaineth therefore, the other day is, there remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. So he's connecting this word here with the word katapao. This word here is sabbatismos. It's the word Sabbath. So God is connecting the Sabbath with the day of rest. That's what it means. Now, let me back up and look at the word kataposis. In 4 and 1, well, let me go to 3 and 11. 3 and 11 and 13. This is the word called apostles. 3.11 So I swear in my wrath it doesn't say my wrath. It says te or gay. The feminine wrath. It wasn't God's wrath. It was when the people came up in the 14th chapter of Numbers and said, let's go, kill, let's go kill Aaron and Moses. They brought us out here to die. God swore in the orge of the people. You know why it says my wrath? I can show you why it says my wrath. It says te orge. And boy, the translators don't want to put this in here. Te orge m. O-U. The orge is of me. The orge of the people when they got out into the, into the desert, it's of me, God said. I put it in them. Well, it's hard to get a hold of, isn't it? The orge was of God. And he says in verse 13, Or is it verse 18? In verse 18. And to them, to them, whom, and to whom swear he that they should not enter into my catapostas. You know what he's saying there? He's saying to the, all the men, 20 years old and upward, as of Kadesh Barnea, they cannot enter into my rest. You got to connect the fact that God's going to kill everybody from 20 years old and upward. That's of military age. That they cannot. What does he call his rest? He calls his rest. He calls that Canaan. 
He says, I'm going to take the next 40 years and kill off all the unbelievers. That's like God killing off. Hold on a second. That's like God killing off the outer man in us. In, in 40, I'm going to say something here, and a lot of people are not going to know how quite how to accept this. All right. When he says, who was it wasn't, I wasn't going to allow to enter into my rest? You go right above this this sea of this Dead Sea, right above that is where they crossed the land, crossed the Jordan River to go in and possess the land. But who is it that I swear they're not going to enter into my rest, referring to Canaan, but to those that, that did not believe? So he's equating the entering into spiritual Sabbath with no Sabbath is going to be with those equals non-belief. Non-belief. Or the word is, well, let me give you this. All right, hold on a second. Let me give this to you. Let me show you something you have to do when you're when you're looking at this. You have to go back to the original words. There's two words for unbelief in this chapter. They're equal to one another because watch what it says in Hebrews 3. 12 and 19. Hebrews 12 and verse 3, 12 and 19. 3, 12. Three twelve. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief. Notice what he is saying. Evil heart is a reference to those people who did not believe God in the wilderness. Evil heart is referring to those people who murmured against God. Murmur against God concerning going into the land and conquering those men of Anak. They said, you can't do that, and we can't do that, and they're too big. And they forgot what God did over here. When we're having a problem in life, what we need to do is rest. God's killing off in 440. Four is very significant. Any multiple of ten, a hundred, or a thousand is a form of the original number, four. And the way God kills off that outer man, he sends the sword, the famine, the pestilence, and the beast. Always in fours that comes in our life 
And that's the trial and the persecution and the tribulation that causes us causes God to burn out that outer man. That outer man controls us when we're young with covetousness and anger and and all of these things that have to do with wrath or gay and God uses fire and trials in the form of fours to get rid of self. And I do series on sevens and fours all through the Bible. Now, so, what he is saying here, evil heart equals A-P-I-S-T-I-A. Apistia. It is comes from pistis, which is the word faith. Pistis, which is the faith. And the alpha privative negates that word. It means no faith. So no faith is equal to an evil heart or murmuring against God that he cannot conquer your problems. He can't conquer your giant problems. My house note is too much. You think God couldn't have conquered those men of Anak just like he conquered? See, this this wilderness is a picture of us in life. That's what it's about. And what we have to learn to do, I've said this for years and I really learned to believe it, when somebody's complaining, I say, leave it alone. I mean, that's what we do. We leave it alone. God is strengthening us, causing us to strive and agonize. And then we know that all things work together for good, for whom he did foreknow. He also did predestinate to all of these things to conform us to Christ's likeness. That's what it's about. It's like one big, huge picture it's not none of these words are separated from anything else. What you're doing, I got a paper up here, is talking about contention and wrath and strife. The word erythea is the word contentious or strife and vengeance, and I got all this on, and then I'm talking about meek and pure in heart. And all of those are what you do when you start resting. You start resting in God's Sabbath. It's a spiritual thing. The Bible says so. The Bible says that they could not enter in, in verse 19, in verse 19, they could not enter in because of unbelief. Who was it couldn't enter in? Those that murmured against God at Kadesh Barnea. They're not going to go into Israel. God's going to kill off that outer man in the wilderness. He has to kill it off in us. At 81, I can surely say most of that old man is gone. You know what that old man does to me? Makes me miserable when I used to get angry. It made me sick 
the last few times I even imitated that in the pulpit. I'd nearly get sick from yelling real loud, just showing you how you used to do. All you do is release all kinds of fluids into your body that's not healthy for you when you lose your temper. And it's shortening your life and probably shortened mine. Now, so unbelief equals, it equals provoking God. It means speaking against God when he says, I will take care of these major difficulties in your life. And we think, but you can't, it's too big. Well, God don't understand all the problems I've got in my life. Yeah, he certainly didn't understand Israel's problems of going into Kadesh Barnea or having to conquer Pharaoh. The Egyptian army was the biggest army in the world. Nobody could conquer them except God. I had a fellow say one time, I just don't believe that Jesus could be raised from the dead, just a body could be raised from the dead. I said, I don't believe that either, unless he's a God. Oh, man. Now, so the word apatheia is used in Hebrews 4.6 and 4.11. 4.6, what I'm trying to say to you, the other times in Hebrews 3.12 and 3.19, apatheia, the Bible says, it was... It was no faith, the reason they, these people that are 20 years old and upward couldn't enter in. And then it turns around and says, apathia is the reason they couldn't enter in. No persuading, A-P-E-I-T-H-E-I-A. Pathia, P-I-E-T-H-E-I-A, means to persuade. But the reason they couldn't be persuaded to enter in, God didn't put it in their hearts. He didn't put faith in their hearts. It's equating, this is equating apathia with no faith. So whenever I say they didn't have any faith to to go up there and fight their big battles, they wasn't going to have to fight. Do you realize that when they said we can't go up there and fight these big giant guys, they had a living God that had killed the largest army in the world. You think God can't kill giants? You say, I got these giant problems in my life and God don't know how to do this. Yeah, sure he don't. I found out as I grow older, somebody wants to fight, leave them alone, let God tend to them. That's what we need to do. Let's go. Do I have any time, Mike? I really have got, I want to go into all of this character. Go back over to Numbers 10. It's talking about them provoking God. That Hebrews 3 and 4 is about Numbers, the 13th and 14th chapters. Numbers 13. God tells them in this chapter to go and spy out the land. They go and spy out the land. They come back and say, the men that went 
up in verse 31, chapter 13, we are not able to go up against the people. That's unbelief. They're stronger than us. Besides that, they're tall. In verse in verse 33, there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which came of the giants, and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers were little bitty nobodies. But wait a minute. That reminds us of 1 Corinthians 1, I believe it's 26 or 125. And what does he say there? He's going to take nobodies to bring down somebodies. That's what he's going to do. Hebrews one twenty six, For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise men after the flesh, not many noble, not many mighty, not many noble are called. Not many presidents or generals or premiers or people in charge are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things that are mighty. And base things of the world and things which are despised, nobodies, little bitty armies, things which are not to bring to naught things that are. And that word base is the word agonase in that verse. And in that verse 26, noble, not many noble, it was the word euganes, E-U-G-E-N-E-S. The only difference in these two words is the beginning of the words. You means well. Ganes is our word gene. It means blue bloods are high-rolling people. Not many high-rolling people in the world. Noble are called. Agonies means no, the alpha period negating the word genes, no bodies, no blue bloods. He's going to take no blue bloods to bring down the blue bloods. The same thing he's saying over here in Numbers. He's going to take a little bitty army of the Jews to crush these men of Anak. And he compares that with our resting. Our rest or the spiritual Sabbath. I don't know how to conclude this study. I've got to come back to this. He's going to take David, a little shepherd boy, to bring down a giant. See, this applies to our life. When you're wrestling with things you don't like and it's stressing you out, you're not supposed to do that. See, you're not even supposed to start fighting within. Fighting's within and without. The Bible speaks of that. Speaks of us fighting within our thinking. The fight starts in here in our minds. If you can get old enough and live long enough to know you don't have that many years, you say, I ain't going to worry about stuff anymore. I don't have that many years to live. You can't have that many years at 81. And don't somebody write me and say, you may live to be 110. I don't want to be 110. Old man, just crotchety, trying to stand up on my feet, and I can't. I'll probably live another five, six, eight, maybe ten years. 
Maybe. Probably not. You say, what are you saying? I say, I want to go be with Jesus. So unbelief is being equated. There's something else I want to teach you here, but I don't have time. Unbelief, unbelief equals, equals murmuring. It equals no Sabbath. Because it meant to those people that murmur against God, the Sabbath was equated with entering into the promised land where they could rest. That's what it equated with. This is a picture of us in this life. And the longer we live, we can enter into the Sabbath. As we go through all these trials in the wilderness, which is a picture of the world, isn't it amazing that God could paint that picture to go along with Hebrews 3 and 4, and yet, by the same token, People say he didn't plan all things. He had to plan this to plan our lives that way. I'm out of time. I'll come back and show you what else I want to tie with that. I won't mention it now. Let's pray. Father, thank you for truth. Thank you for everything you're doing because everything you're doing is for our good. Teach us to trust you more and more every day with all these difficulties. Lord, I'm preaching to me right now. Teach me and teach the people that are watching to trust you with the greatest difficulties in their life. Teach us all to follow you in truth. And to trust, regardless of how big the things come. Because nothing can be greater than those Anakims or that Pharaoh's army. But boy, you can put a wall of fire between us and them. Thank you for everything. Lead us to your family, fight our battles, and open up doors for the ministry and supply all the need in Christ's name. Amen. I want to say more on this. There's just so much more that goes with it. There's more to predestination than most people think about conforming to Christ's likeness and giving up self in this flesh. How's everything going? You decided to make a trip over here? Huh?
How you doing, Eddie? What's doing? What's going on? I don't know if you noticed how I was kind of doing like that, just a little better or not. Yeah. When I was over there, I'm kind of out just a little bit from doing all that driving. What are you doing there, Andrew? Uh, How's it going? <laughs> Where did that other camera guy go? Did he leave? I hope I can get this over about this spiritual Sabbath because I really believe this. It's better to believe in a spiritual Sabbath than it is into a literal Sabbath. Because the spiritual Sabbath will make you rest. The literal Sabbath won't do anything to you, make you stay at home. Everything is God's will. Everything. God is doing what He wants to do. I keep wondering if I'm getting this message over. You are to everybody who's going to hear it. Huh? You will to everybody who's going to hear it. Yeah. So you just keep on I'm wanting to explain it, what I'm seeing in it. But I want to just quit all of life and just come sit in Okay. <laughs> all right. I'm, I'm beginning... The longer I live, I'm beginning to see what the Bible's about. It's about us resting. It don't matter how many enemies we got or how big they are. It has nothing to do with how big life is and how difficult it is for you. Does it? The only riot I have is inside my house. Talking about all these riots and everything, I said, I've got all those. I didn't start understanding this I haven't really been understanding this about the spiritual Sabbath. 